You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. to Twibbly, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, just because he doesn't care, doesn't mean he doesn't understand, it's Jeff McLarge Huge. Oh, hey, I care. <laughs> I just don't care about that. What's up? What's going on? Uh, man, I don't know. Today has been a, a day of perpetual shrieking headache, and I'm not quite sure what I did to give it to myself, <laughs> assuming that that's a thing you can do without running your head into some solid object, but man. That headache day? Oh. Yeah, I don't know why. I've been I've been trying to chase it down with like acetaminophen for one dose and then four hours later aspirin for the next dose and sort of mix it up. I haven't even taken the glistening edge off of this thing yet. Whew. Oh, I, I probably growing antlers or something. <laughs> I make everybody mad because I like literally don't get headaches. Oh. Like I have friends that get like mind splitting mig- yeah. migraines and stuff like that. I like never have a headache like ever. Like, hold on. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yes, touch yeah. this touch simulated wood product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I don't get the cluster headaches or the things like migraines or anything like that that incapacitates me. I grew up at working for a family, for my family. So we didn't have sick. We weren't allowed to be sick. Right. You know, put a tourniquet on that and get back to work. That's kind of how our lives were as kids. Oh, yeah. I had a work so, partner like that. They, you know, they would call in. They're like, yeah, I'm not coming in today. I got a headache. What? Yeah. Really? My dad would be like... <laughs> Is it still attached? Yeah. Well, then you're going to work. <laughs> oh, okay. So guillotine is the only way I can get a day off, huh? Is your headache caused by a fractured skull by chance? Is right. there blood coming out of your ears? No, they get to work. Right. My, and my dad would never say something like, I drank six bottles of Christian Brothers brandy yesterday. <laughs> and I, you think you have a headache? <laughs> but what am I doing? I'm in the, I'm in the restaurant. <laughs> the kitchen, I'm in the kitchen. I'm making food. I remember one time, like, I mean, every once in a while I'll get like a headache it's more like a like a nerve in my neck kind of a thing or whatever. Yeah. But I remember one time I had the flu. This is going back some years. And I had the worst headache. And, like, I had to shut all the lights off in the house. I had a hard time looking at the television set. And I was describing it to my brother. He goes, oh, you have a migraine. I'm like, oh, yeah. is this what a migraine is? He's like, yeah. Yeah, like I had no idea what a migraine headache was. I have friends that complain about them all the time. I had no idea up until about maybe five years ago, six years ago. From what I understand, they are terrible. My girlfriend takes medicine to prevent them because she gets them chronically, uh-huh. and it knocks her like sideways. You know, she's like, I, "I'll see you in two days." I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you gonna do? Like, I'm just gonna be in a dark room. <laughs> Go away. You know, <laughs> like, I sort of liken it to like people who are, who are lycanthropes. Right, they turn to werewolves on the full moon. Right. Like you don't want to be anywhere near them for a couple of days because you're probably going to get bitten. <laughs> yeah, they, they make medicines now that can prevent that stuff. I'm fortunate in that I don't have those. I just have the regular run of the mill, take two aspirin and call me in the morning headaches. But you ever get caffeine headaches? I I hear about those I, too. You know, 
I don't get those. I, I can go a couple days without, and I drink. Ugh, I'm going to describe it. Oh, no, I've been right to your house. Phraseology. Yeah. You've been to my house. I drink a heroic amount of coffee. Yes, that was the exact I, adjective I was going to use. <laughs> it's like I have a hatred of coffee beans. That's how much coffee I drink. I want them all to be drowned. Astounding. I mean, whenever I'm over there, between me, you, and your son, we go through like two pots every morning. Every like, morning. Hey, you want some more coffee, Bill? <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me freshen that up for you. And you're like, I'm vibrating already. Like, yeah. But no, I don't, I don't, I can go without caffeine and it doesn't, I don't get like that decaffeinated headache. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that either. Well, I'm starting to notice though, that it'll be triggered by like spending a ton of time in front of like a computer monitor. Yes. Which as my job entails, that's what I do all day. Same. I'm a programmer. So I need, maybe I need some of those special like blue glasses that make me look like Ray Charles. <laughs> I started wearing reading glasses so I could read the blueprints like maybe a year ago, two years ago. And now I find myself squinting through the glasses to read the blueprints. So I'm going to have to go up, uh, go up a magnification pretty soon, I think. Yeah, I'm at the point now where I wear contact lenses so I can see things further than two feet away from me. But I also have to wear glasses to see things that are closer than two feet away from yeah. me. <laughs> it sucks. I can't win. What these? You I know, know somebody that got. Like, oh my. I know somebody that got like LASIK surgery because they wore glasses their yeah. whole life, and then and now they, you know, they're in their fifties now, so they're bringing around readers to go. Yeah, yeah it's like oh, he goes. I'm back at square one now. Right. Exit. Start all over again. It's like, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. And it's funny. Like I, I realized at the age that I'm at now, all my senses are starting to die off. So two years ago, I lost my left ear. I didn't lose the yeah. ear. It's still there, but it's only for decorative purposes. Well, yeah, it's good. Otherwise, now, you wouldn't have anything yeah. to hang your glasses on. Right, exactly. And now I've I got to wear glasses to read if I'm wearing contacts to see further than two feet away. Or I have to put on glasses to see further than two feet away and take the glasses off to read something that's closer than two feet away. And I've got a hand with messed up nerves in it from an accident I had when I was a kid. I'm at the point now where the only sense that I have that is like super duper sharp to compensate for all the ones that have gone dull is the sense of smell. I'm like the daredevil of smells. Yeah, for now. Yeah, I can, I can tell when the trash needs to be changed from outside the house. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be the week beginning, November the 22nd. But before we get started, I have my award-winning and always very popular uh, trivia question. This week's trivia question is, uh, now, we know what PhD stands for. That's That would be too easy of a question. If somebody has a PhD. Oh, thank God you think yeah. that. Okay. If, All right. Give me the hard okay. one then. If somebody, uh, you can email the PhD answer to Jay. If somebody has a PhD, that stands for they. It's actually backwards. Say Doctor of Philosophy in whatever their specialty oh. is. It's a palindrome. Right, yes, but there was like some I don't, I don't anti-controversial thing with our uh, first lady, Doctor Jill Biden, that somebody's saying she wasn't actually a doctor because she doesn't deliver babies. Uh, the most popular. PhD is in what? If somebody has a PhD, they're most likely to have a PhD in this. I'm going to say that the, they're most likely to have a PhD in education. Which is what she has her PhD in. Yeah, <laughs> well, that I figured that that was a subtle, a subtle hint. I work in state government, so I know that that tends to be the PhD credential that I see most often. I will give you the answer at the end of the show. But as I was saying, this is the week beginning, November the 22nd, and my extensive record keeping shows me that it is your turn to start. Ooh, is it? Oh, good. I got a good one for November 22nd. And speaking of PhDs, Elvis Presley did not have a technical PhD, but he had pelvic hip dance. 
And in 1955, <laughs> you're such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> RCA Records makes its the best investment probably in the history of entertainment when it pays out $35,000, which is a ton of money in 1955, to Sun Records for Elvis Presley's contract. So I'm sure he walked in, he's like, wait, uh, give me a minute and put on his third record out here, Elvis Presley. We're going to be singing. I got my, my guitar and I've got a guy back there and he's going to say, hey, Elvis, uh, you got to go down the street to RCA. We got we got some. We had to buy a new piano for Jerry Lee Lewis, so we sold your contract off. He's going to be the next big thing. Don't you, you know worry. what though? That's not even that much money in today's money. That's like about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That is right. dry I mean, roasted peanuts compared to what some people pay for contracts these days. And that's Elvis, dude. But I think at the time, like for the record industry, remember RCA is the company that invented record right. players, right? They're the ones who made electric record players through Victrola. Sure. Now, what year was this? Right? They're the ones who picked up 1955. So it's oh, only yeah. been it's only been 20 years of 20 or 25 years of electric record players. Right. And so Elvis wasn't rec- Elvis. Yeah, he was just Not like, yet. I want to play some songs for my mama. Mama, I, uh, I dropped the butter in the yeah. kitchen. Like, yeah, whatever, yeah. Elvis. One, two, three. <laughs> But yeah, so but for a, a company like Sun Records, which pretty much you want to make a record, come <laughs> on in, you know, for them to be able to do that uh, and come in with three hundred fifty grand at that time is that's a ton of money for right. a little place. Well, like, thirty five grand, thirty three hundred fifty for us, right? Right, the equivalent of three hundred fifty grand. Yeah, yeah, that would be like if I had three hundred fifty thousand dollars buying up a record right. contract. Boy, man, Sun Records must have been kicking themselves in the ass after that. <laughs> Hey, you know, if you had three hundred fifty grand, you could probably go pick up Ace Frehley. <laughs> get Jerry Lee Lewis. He was still on Sun Records at that point. He was, yeah, yeah. Carl Perkins, I yeah, think. Though, too. Yeah, there was a bunch on Sun Records. Yeah, yep. Yeah. RCA yeah. had radios and radio stations and other stuff that they could broadcast this right. stuff out on. And there was like a huge feud between Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley. To well, I think it was a one-sided feud. I think Jerry Lee Lewis hated Elvis, and Elvis was like, you know, whatever. Oh, man, it's really weird that you're dating your cousin. I just wanted to put that yeah, out there. Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis is like, yeah, whatever. Your girlfriend's like, what, 12? Because uh, Priscilla <laughs> Presley, they went to the that's same like way. a big, like, what the hell? She was yeah. like a, yeah. a baby, basically, when Elvis first started getting goo-goo yeah. eyes for her. And, yeah, in Germany. Yeah, to his credit, he waited until it was within the legal limits, but still, that was kind of... That's, man, it's going to be a long yeah. couple of years. I was going to sit this one out. <laughs> I gotta get my my girlfriend a little something. I got her. I got her a Barbie doll. Yeah, do me a favor, grow out your hair like a Marsh Simpson for me, would you? I got this weird kind of broader Frankenstein fetish. <laughs> I love doing our Elvis voices. <laughs> I can't. We should do the whole goddamn show in Elvis voices someday. It's so much fun. Uh-huh. Elvis and hey, Alex yeah. Jones. The Elvis conspiracy theory. Oh, Alex saw, 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 saw the lizard Elvis people. Elvis was married to gay frogs. I saw the lizard people. So um. Uh, you know where it was a good place to find Elvis Presley Ooh. would be on a jukebox. On November the 23rd of 1889, the first jukebox is installed in San Francisco. Oh, nice. Those have been a thing in various formats since then. And don't think that they're gone. They're not. They're still around. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they're... It's almost it's like pinball machines. They're a, a nostalgia thing now. No, you know? well, not really. There's like a there's an app you can use, and there's bars that put them in, and it has access to like Spotify, so you can technically find any song. You okay, pay, yeah. You buy like you buy credits with your credit card, and you play in the jukebox at a bar. Yep. Yeah, there is a definite 
digital upgrade to the jukebox, but like the jukebox, like the old style where you, you know, you put your dime in and it, you you press A7 and it picks out a record and, right. and you know, plays it for you. Yeah, that that has gone the way of the 25 cent cheroot. Yeah. yeah, that's but again, it's it still exists in modern technology. I right. like to mess around with them. Like there's a bar here in town that I used to frequent, which had one. So you you know you're sitting there and you're kind of bored, and there'll be a couple of dudes in baseball hats who drink a lot of inexpensive domestic mass-produced beer and are very loud and obnoxious, and will keep playing like the same two Kid Rock records over and over again. So yeah. I can interrupt by paying more money. I can interrupt <laughs> their song stream, and insert yep. like Tiny Tim having a wonderful time. <laughs> Welcome to my first album. That's my favorite thing to hear. And see people like look at each other like, what the hell is this? I didn't play this. Did you play this? Or it plays like Frank Zappa's Bobby Brown Goes Down or Deantvert or some other something that's full of swears. It's great. My ex-girlfriend and I were at a pool hall that had like, not the digital kind that you're talking right. about, but one of the first kind of like digital jukeboxes. Like it wasn't online. Mm -hmm. It just was, you know, whatever was in the locally, you know? Yeah. And me, her, and each of the other three or four people that was with us each put in $5. So yep. we had like a ton of songs. And we put in Danzig, Mother, for every single one of the credits that we had. Nice. So it would play like, you know, Hotel California, then Mother by Danzig. And then it would play like two or three other songs. And all of a sudden, just uh, like it wouldn't play Mother, you know, 70 times in a row. But it played it pretty frequently the oh, whole time so we funny. were there. Oh, that's so funny. Enough um, to make people say what the hell's going on. It's, I'm going to guess it's the same pool hall. But I used to go with my friend Jim W. Yep. And shoot pool. We were there and somebody was playing our worst song ever past participant yep. for non-talented non-blondes yep. over and over again and we put in like 12 or 15 dollars worth of territorial pissings from the first nirvana record <laughs> and after about five plays of that song the guy just went over and unplugged the jukebox <laughs> it was awesome uh, so funny all right let's move on to the 24th november 24th 1971 a guy named dan cooper misidentified later as D.B. Cooper. He hijacks a 727, claiming that he's got a bomb, mm -hmm. and demands 200 grand and four parachutes, I guess for one for each limb. <laughs> Takes off, jumps out of the plane, and he's never seen or heard from again. He jumped out of the cargo hold. Yeah. You know, so like they opened up this big back door. I don't know what happened to him, because they never found him. They never found anything. They found then, some yeah. money. They found some of the money that he had uh, that he had stolen, some of the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Some, right. I think, like some eight year old kid found it. Ten, almost ten years later, it was like nineteen eighty, uh, so nine yeah. years later, they had recovered some of the money, but they never found anything. And a lot of like really smart people uh, figured that there was no way he could have survived that nah. because it was raining. Yeah. And where he jumped, he jumped like above the clouds. It was raining, so the plane was flying above the clouds. Mm -hmm. So whenever he parachuted and went, got through the clouds, he must have just gotten eaten up by the storm. Yeah, and I think it was higher than like it would have been like super thin oxygen too. I don't know. There's some right. suggestion he couldn't breathe well, and he probably passed out. And if you're unconscious, you're not pulling a ripcord on anything. Probably, yeah, didn't even pull the ripcord. He was probably passed out from no oxygen. Like, you remember that guy 
that broke the water speed record. It was like 300 miles an hour on water or something like that. Yes. And like right after, like, all right, he did it. And then just like that, the boat flipped over on top of him. Yes. And they never found anything. They never even found like a fingernail of that guy. That must have been what happened to D.B. Cooper. He must have just like been splattered. Uh, wherever, in. <laughs> yeah, wherever he landed, he must have just been pulverized. Yeah. Yeah. Kamikaze into the Columbia River basin. Not good. All right. So that was over 300 miles an hour. But on November 25th of 1973, your friend and mine, Richard Nixon... Uh, in an effort to save oil and all that and gasoline, reduces the high weight speed limit in America to 55 miles an hour. Wow. And certainly drew an enemy, erstwhile hard rocker, Sammy Hagar. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> Who can't drive 55 because what used to take two hours now takes all day. Oh, my God. Dude, hold on. We'll get to the main subject in a second. Yeah. But whenever that video used to come on MTV all the time, right? Yes. My friend Neil used to get so pissed off because that part of the video, uh, Sammy Hagar and the band, go and watch this, dude. They're all sitting like in a jail cell, right? Yeah. And yep. Sammy Hagar singing goes, what used to take two hours now takes all day. And, like, one of the guys in the band doesn't lip sync any part of that except for the word day and my friend used to get so mad about it he's like look at this guy look at him day shut the fuck up i'm not gonna lie i always thought that that was a fun song oh it is it is a fun song that's a great riff and i loved that it got used in a dead kennedy song uh he's so dumb he can't drive 55 Uh, (laughs) what's like yeah so it has definitely the 55 speed limit has some cultural impact Yep. It wasn't long after that that they changed the speedometer so that they couldn't show faster than 85 to make it, I guess, not feel so bad that you were only going 55. It looked yeah, like exactly. you were doing three like, quarters of your speed. Uh, like, oh, my God, I'm almost, I'm almost flying. I'm going I'm doing 60. 60. I'm, a, I'm a freaking badass now. Oh, my yeah. God, cops are going to get me. It's like D.B. Cooper. I'm going to auger right in. <laughs> I remember looking at my mom's car and, the, like, you know, in my mind, I know this because I was a little kid, and yep. this, you know, I know the speed limit's 55, and my mom's speedometer went up to 120 miles an hour. I was like, what is the purpose yeah, of going like you, over you double the speed limit? Mach 2. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that like, don't you break the sound barrier at 100? It's crazy. <laughs> crazy talk. It's so funny. Like, I look back at cars in the 70s. I read a lot of articles about them. I, yep. I don't like a Chevy Chevette. 1973 Chevy or 76 Chevy Chevette. I think that was the first year for the Chevette. Zero to 60, 17.9 seconds. I'm about to say, yeah, if you floor it, you might get up to 55 before you run out of gas, right? <laughs> yeah. And like so many cars were so. I had a 1977 Pontiac Grand Prix, yep. which had a 400 cubic inch motor. Yep. 400 cubic inches and a four barrel carburetor, and it had 129 horsepower. My son's Chevy Sonic, which is a car that has a little tiny Korean engine in it, has 128 horsepower. (laughs) (laughs) Technology's come a long way. And uh, yeah, and like I remember driving cross country the first time. It was like 1997. The speed limit was no longer 55 miles an hour, like nationally, but locally it still was. It didn't go up to 60 and 65 in Massachusetts until a little later. So when we're over there driving cross country, we cut out into like the Midwest to like the wide open areas after the Mississippi River. And like the speed limit was like 70. And it was like, I felt so cool. I was like, 70. All right. I might even take my seatbelt off. Hold on. Make room. We got a badass coming through. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. That's right. Up here, there are some spots north of like exit 19 on Route 93 going north towards like Canada right. where the speed limit is 70. And I, I generally don't drive that far north, but right. sometimes I have to do it for work. Yeah. And the first time I did it for work, I'm like, the speed limit's 70. It's like the future. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm in a state-owned car that has eight horsepower, and well, I can barely get to 70. I got to put on my aviator sunglasses. If right, I'm gonna exactly. Be, yeah. If I'm going to be this badass. Let me turn up the AM radio and put my <laughs> arm out the window. Yeah. But <laughs> it was uh, something else. I felt like the guy in the Memorex ad. <laughs> I got to put my bomber jacket on. Right, exactly. Look out for me in my 17-year-old minivan with three different tires on it. Um, Let's go on to the next day. The 26th, what do you got? November 26, 1956. One of, if not the longest-running, continuously-running game show in television history premieres on NBC. And this show is still on. It's The Price is Right. The format uh-huh. of the show has not changed, where people guess the price of horrifically overpriced common items from the store. <laughs> How much would you pay for this pack of Mentos, Jeff? Right. It's at two seventy-five. Like, are you sure? Like, when was the last time you? When was the last time any of these people yeah. went to a store? Actual retail um, price? Eight fifty. Eight fifty. That's not right either. Where are you buying <laughs> these from? But no, it's uh, it's been on since it's it's actually been. At one point or another on all three major networks in the United States, so NBC started, it jumps ABC for a while, and then to CBS. It's been hosted by Drew Carey since 2007, so that's doing a little bit of math here. 14 years. And that was the show that, like, I, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say every single Gen X kid who ever stayed home from school sick, yeah, that show was part of the feeling better. Are you feeling better, honey? I don't know. Yeah, what up, yeah, I have a screaming headache. <laughs> well, let's put on the prices right. Okay. Boom. Oh my god. <laughs> That's all I need. Oh shit, they've got Plinko this week. Yeah, I was about to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> I got this mind splitting headache and all of a sudden the Plinko game comes out like bing 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 or the freaking yodeling guy. I was just going to do the yodeling yodeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, so funny. I always thought it would be fun to spin the big like, showdown. Raising my yeah, the showcase show. I'm sp- I've got the big. We- I'm actually making the movements like I'm doing it. Not that anybody yeah. can see me. Um, yeah, just to see how fast I could make that thing go. We're gonna be here a while, <laughs> Drew. And prior to Drew, it was always hosted by Bob Barker. Yep. Yeah, he did it for years and years and years. Yep. Yeah, that was a super popular game. There was there was a home game which was I had, and it was not fun at all. Price, price is right. This, I mean, everybody knows it. Everybody says it's a piece of Americana. It's as, yeah. a, it's as an American icon as a jukebox. Or a plane hijacking, parachute requesting, space jumper. Yes. <laughs> Here's something that's not American at all. November the 27th, 1967, just one short year after Paul McCartney died, apparently, the Beatles released their Magical Mystery Tour album slash soundtrack to their yep. Magical Mystery Tour movie. Which, which was trippy. W- yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. That was a trippy-ass movie. That's the kind of movie you watch whenever you watch The Monkey's Head and think to yourself, you know what? This just makes too much sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, Magical and- Mystery Tour... Uh, I actually like that album quite a bit. I think that's one of the better albums, even though it's more of a compilation album than anything else. Mm -hmm. It has some of my favorite, overall favorite tracks, like Fool on the Hill and and I'm the Walrus. and The title track. The title track. Although I don't love the title track as much as I love, like I'm the Walrus is the weirdest friggin' song and it's really fun. Even now, 
I've heard that song 10 billion times. Mm-hmm. And I, whenever I hear it now, I'm still like, oh, this is a weird song. Like, it's got a weird like drum line and it's got weird lyrics and i can imagine what it was like in 67 when somebody was like what the hell is this and the beatles are like well, we can put out anything we want to yeah i think that was um i think john lennon whenever he wrote the lyrics to i am the walrus he was basically just seeing if he could get away with murder just by <laughs> writing a bunch of nonsense yeah yes I, i'm pretty sure he's one of those like I, they'll never let me put this on the record <laughs> watch and then and then he they did and he's like god damn it i can do whatever i want you know we're bigger than jesus and then all of a sudden <laughs> flames everywhere easily one of my favorite records and the first of their films that was really it was way more like a collection of music videos but music videos didn't exist yet right it doesn't have a big plot it's too strange to make any sense of as you watch it visually and it's all tied to the songs that are on the soundtrack so the music supports the vi- visuals which then ultimately supports the album that supports the music that supports the visuals right yeah, I'm, I'm pointing not, madly like, while you, I say this. Like the, the, a lesser known song on that album, Your Mother Should Know, yep. visually is something that stands out in the Magical Mystery Tour. That's the one that they're all dressed up in the white tuxedos walking up the stairs. Yeah, but that's like a lesser known Beatles song. I mean, that song rarely shows up on like greatest hits and stuff like that. Yeah, this is a weird record because every song in this record is fun. Every song is good. Yes. It's almost a greatest hits record. It's like a no bad songs record. Yeah. Uh, one thing, like the Beatles had, like a, um, the market cornered. Like any band could do harmonies, but only the right. Beatles had the Beatles harmonies. Yep. Really, really, really stands out on the title track. When when they're all singing the roll up, they had, that's to to me that that sounds like the Beatles right there. If you're gonna make an argument for what sounds like the Beatles, that's just play that's, play that's, that. Yeah. yeah. That's it, yeah. If you want, if you had to introduce the Beatles to like space aliens, yes, that's what I'd use. This is, they sound like this. So as we all know, uh, Paul McCartney is dead, and there was a lot. Yeah, tragically killed. And uh, there was a lot of hints on the uh, the Magical Mystery Tour in the album and uh, in the in the music videos. For an example, in uh, what we were talking about before, with your mother should know. Uh, they're all wearing carnations because they're wearing tuxedos, and Paul's carnation is black, while everybody else's is red. And it wasn't like they were ostracizing Paul or anything because he's kind of a jerk, but you know, better, more, more likely that he was dead. Yeah. And one of my favorites is on the front cover, the where it says Beatles. It's all written in stars. Allegedly, if you hold it upside down and in the mirror. It has a phone number, and I'm looking at it right now, and if that's a phone number, I don't know where, because it could be a thousand different numbers. Supposedly, if you called that number, uh, you would receive information about Paul's death. Probably Ringo's phone number. Hello? Is this Ringo? Yes, hello. Please stop calling me. (laughs) Peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. In England, we call French fries chips. <laughs> uh, and then later on in the song Glass Onion. I love that song, too. Yeah, John says, here's another clue for us all. The walrus was Paul. Right. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but. <laughs> well, it's well known that John Lennon hated walruses. Could be. <laughs> Weird thing to hate. And wrapping up the week on the 28th. The, the very first automobile race in the United States takes place on November 28th of 1895. Uh, it was meant to take place on the streets of Chicago. But uh, as firsts of anything, the police intervened and said, you can't race those cars on our streets. Are you insane? What's all this then? Someone. Or Chicago, like, hey, buddy, 
No, that's yeah. Boston. I can't. I can't do the Chicago. Uh, Chicago and Boston are, are, are very, similar. very similar. Yeah. So the race ended up going from Chicago to Evanston. It's fifty miles round trip. Yep. And it took seven hours. What for this car race? Yes, to go fifty miles, because, and I'm just gonna put this out there. The U.S. has a terrible problem with the first car races of anything and terrible weather. So there's a snowstorm, and these cars, like, they top out at way less than 55. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't drive 55. They can't even drive 15. Right, and there's no highway system right. either. Right, yeah, so they're driving like on, like, dirt line. roads and over stumps and through people's yards and, you know, cue the Keystone Cops music and whatever. But uh, the, the average speed of the vehicles was seven miles an hour, which they probably could have been beaten by somebody on one of those, like, old-timey penny-farthing bikes. I was just about to say, you know, one of my most ambitious bicycle rides ever was from the north end of New Bedford, where I live, out to Plymouth Rock and back. And it was like 60 miles in a circle. And that took me five and a half, six hours on a bicycle. These guys are in cars, did less mileage, and it took (laughs) way more time. I I don't know how much of that time they're like, oh, we got to find more gasoline. Like we have to, we're gonna run out of gasoline because yeah. you know it's we have one cylinder and this thing leaks gas. Can we pull over? My ass is killing me. I got a migraine. And this wouldn't be the first time. It's, it's this. It's like ten or fifteen years later, maybe if not fewer. I th- no, I guess it's like ten years later, nineteen oh four. The very first like Paris mm-hmm. to New York to Paris auto race starts. We've, we talked about it on this show, and that one started to, like oh, yeah yeah yeah. You know, they fire the starting gun and it just starts to snow <laughs> within one, within two hours. It's snowing a foot a minute or something. It's something insane. Yeah yeah. They, they barely have, got yeah, out of sight out on that one. right away. Like, <laughs> we need a plow. It hasn't been invented yet. You know, <laughs> you have to invent one. They Please. walked back. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the celebrity birthdays. November the 22nd, 1921, your friend and mine, Rodney Dangerfield. He became super duper popular in my house because of my dad. My dad loved him. And he's like a weird... Yeah. He was like the last of the really old school kind of comics. Like the the guys like um, Buttons and like the old school Vegas guys from like the 60s. Right. Rodney Dangerfield got yeah. started really late. He was like a carpenter that used to just like a crack a lot of jokes and people were like, oh, you should be a comedian. And he used to do like stand up and stuff like that. But he was already like, I think he was in his yeah. 60s whenever he made yeah. Caddyshack. Yeah. You know, and Caddyshack was like his first. I think he made one other movie before that. But Caddyshack was like his first. That's what made yeah. him famous. Yeah. It was really late in life. If he wasn't 60, he was almost Yeah, he parlayed that into a pretty good career. I mean, all the films that he made, yep. even the ones that are, and I'm not going to lie, some of them are terrible, but they're yes. all entertaining. Like, and he's funny in all yes. of them. And it's, some of them is like, you wonder right. why he's even in it. But like, they, made, they, wrote, they wrote the movie Easy Money specifically for him, right? Yes. That movie's funny. Back to School. Yes. Written specifically for him. Hilarious. Hilarious. Best cameo ever from Kurt Vonnegut. Actually, did you know that Back to School was a remake? I did not know that. Yeah, it's a remake of an older film. I forget the name of it, but it is a remake of an older film. I still quote that movie. Hey, if you want to look thin, hang out with fat people. (laughs) My ex-girlfriend, like her brother, never called me Bill. Always called me Lutz. Because he, he, he thought he I looked, looked like Ronnie Danger. Robert Downey yeah. Jr., yeah. Not me, not Robert Downey Jr., right, yeah. Always, like, to this day, like, I actually talked to him on the phone the other day. He was like, what? What's up? Oh, my God, that's so funny. Yep. The, my other favorite quote from that is is right right in the beginning. Is, hey, if that if that dress had pockets, you'd be a pool table. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 
is so funny. I saw him live. I got to see him live when I was 15 years old. Did you really? Oh, wow. Performance at, at Center. Yes. He said one joke, and here it is, how many years later, right? And I can still remember the, the joke he said that had me laughing so hard. He said that his daughter was such a slut. In high school, she was voted most likely to conceive. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, you know what else is funny? Hey, November 23rd, 1888, the quiet one of the Marx Brothers, Harpo, is born Harpo. born as Adolf Marx. That's uh, unfortunate. Well, it didn't become unfortunate until about 1939. Uh, yeah, yeah at, the, at the height of the... By career. then, he'd owned that name for a while. But yeah. uh, at, the, at the height of the uh, Marx Brothers career... Uh, yeah, his name was Adolf Marx, yeah. but he was better known as Harpo. Um, but yeah, it was uh, definitely one of the characters that stand for me that stands out amongst the Marx Brothers movies because they all do musical and physical comedy, but his without vocalizations, right, always seemed so much more, so much funnier and more heartwarming and whatever just because of that. And I think it's because of his facial expressions and the way that he played the harp. I don't know. Yep, and, and yeah, that was like such a juxtaposition because he dressed like a hobo. Yeah. He always had like worn out clothes that were too big and ill-fitting and stuff like that. And his hat was always crumpled up and stuff like that. But he played a harp beautifully, yes. And it's such a, you know, it's a beautiful instrument. And like, who plays the harp? Like nobody, right. you know? Right. He was uh, one of the regulars at the Algonquin Roundtable in New York City, the Algonquin Hotel with like Dorothy Parker and... And another like famous, very very famous like writers and artists, and really interesting guy. And one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life is finding out that that was a wig. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interview with his son one time, and they were asking, you know, what did your father sound like? Because nobody really ever heard him speak. And he says, "Oh, he had a really thick New York accent." Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the twenty fourth, nineteen thirty one, a man by the name of Tommy Alsop, who you would think. You would have heard of, but most people don't know who he is. Tommy Alsop was a member of Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Oh. He was supposed to be on the airplane that killed Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, and the Big Bopper, uh, you know, uh, as well as a few other people. Right. He was supposed to be on that plane, but there was only room for five. You know, there was a coin toss, and I think it was Richie Valens that won the coin toss. And got to go on the plane. Tommy Alsop said, all right, we'll take the bus. As it would happen, the plane crashed and everybody on that plane died. And Tommy Alsop did not die. But then again, I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. Other I, think than it was, fact- I think it was Eddie Cochran <laughs> was the one who won the coin toss. And he's the, oh, he traded his seat with uh, Richie Valens because Richie Valens was sick and there was no heat on the bus. If I remember La Bamba correctly. Okay. So all of my knowledge of this event yeah. comes from fictionally... Fictionalized accounts yeah, yeah, of, the, of the event. Well, that's the thing. The fictionalized version is it was Eddie Cochran because people know who Eddie Cochran is. Nobody knows who Tommy Alsop is. Tommy Alsop is the one that lost the coin toss. Right. Nobody knows it. Like, yeah, guess who played Eddie Cochran in the movie? It was Brian Setzer. Who played the other guy? That guy wasn't even in the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly how it goes. See, <laughs> we create our own reality here at Twibley. That's right. All right. Speaking of creating our own reality. Uh, yes. Or fantasy, as it were. November 25th, 1920 brings us uh, character actor and Chrysler Cordoba Corinthian leather pitch man, <laughs> Ricardo Montalban. Khan! Uh, Khan! Best known, certainly now, as Khan Noonien Singh, the only character that wasn't a main character of the classic Star Trek who appeared in the Star Trek films. 
Take that. Yep. Banished to the SETI Alpha 5. Yep. Not to mention uh, being Mr. Rourke on yep. the uh, anthology uh, television series Fantasy Island. Yep. And he so was in, the guy uh, never went there. He was in one of the Planet of the Apes movies, too, wasn't he? Escape from the Planet of the Apes in 1971. Oh, that's the one with the cult that has the atomic bomb. Okay. I remember that, but I don't remember him in it. So there you go. I must have watched it one day in between episodes of uh, The Price is Right when I was homesick. <laughs> so coming up on the 26th of 1876. Oh, yeah. A man who we all owe a huge debt of gratitude every summer, Willis Carrier. He yeah. is the inventor of the air conditioner. Yes. It's amazing that uh, it was actually, he invented the prototype in 1905. Yeah. So he was not super old uh, by any stretch of the imagination when he had done this and engineered a bunch of different products, but that's the one he's known for. You ever see There's it? Still- you ever see his first air conditioner? Yeah, it's big. It, it t- yeah, it takes up the majority of a room. Yeah, it's big. It's like it's it's like the uh, Univac computer of air conditioners. <laughs> yep. You know, and what could it do? Well, it could bring the temperature down by ten degrees. That's pretty <laughs> good for you know nineteen oh five. Now it's uh, you can you could, I can turn my I could hang meat in my house if I really want to. <laughs> turn my house to so I can he- see my breath in the middle of July. My friend, I don't know what the hell he has for an air conditioner. He lives in a third floor apartment, which is traditionally very warm. Right. And he gets that thing in the 60s. I don't know what the hell he does with that air conditioner or what his electric bill looks like, but he's uh, he's doing Willis Carrier a, a real debt of service, I guess. It's chilly in here. You got a sweater? <laughs> it's I, July 4th weekend. <laughs> it's true. Whenever I go over his house, I'll, no matter what time of the year, I always bring a hoodie with me. Nice. Yep. I'm just going to sit here and shiver while we watch TV. All right. Next up on the 27th. Hey. Hey, speaking of shivering, uh, 1942, November 27, 1942, left-handed guitar genius, probably the greatest guitar player who ever lived, Jimi Hendrix, is unleashed upon the world in a relatively short run, guitar players at least, sort of redefined how rock and roll lead guitar would be played since. Oh, yeah. My favorite Jimi Hendrix story is the Beatles released the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album, and let's just say it came out on a Thursday. Saturday night, the Jimi Hendrix Experience opens up their concert covering Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hots Club Band. <laughs> and Paul McCartney was in the audience. Yeah. Yep. That, that and that uh, a video of that concert, or at least that song, is online. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And he does a great version of it. I love Jimi Hendrix's version That's of Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, his first record, Are You Experienced, is still one of my favorite records from that era. Of just like hard, hard, hard rock that is, it's it's timeless. Yeah. So. And uh, famously, he was the opening act for the Monkees on one of their <laughs> tours. Yeah, that yeah, didn't go well. No, not at all. Much like if uh, good old Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis had been on the same bill. And I don't know if it was at the same time, but both Jimi Hendrix and Bootsy Collins were part of James Brown's band. Imagine that. Imagine if they were at the same time. I don't know if they were, but Bootsy Collins and Jimi Hendrix in the same band at the same time with James Brown on vocals. (laughs) Trying to get paid by James Brown, who notoriously didn't pay his band members. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, are we going to get paid at the end of this game? And wrapping up the birthdays on November the 28th, 1962, uh, comedian you may have heard of, Mr. John Stewart. 
Yeah, comedian, writer, and filmmaker, right? That's what yeah. he's kind of doing now. And philanthropist. And yeah, most famously was the host of The Daily Show for many, 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 many years. Uh, I remember him when he first got started on MTV. He had his own talk show on MTV called The John Stewart Show that did not, it didn't last, even though it was great. But prior to that, he had another TV show called You Wrote It, You Watch It. And that didn't last long either. So you wrote it, you watch it was people would write in letters describing stuff and then they would act it out, you know, and the one that's sti- improv in the age of mail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the one that sticks out to me on that was uh, some guy wrote in that he had a dream that Fred Schneider from the B-52s was following him around while he was grocery shopping. And then I just remember they had this guy who looked exactly like him holding two stalks of broccoli, going, it's a shopping sensation. (laughs) Uh, John Stewart uh, also championed uh, a bill that went through that makes sure that all the first responders from 9-11 never lose funding. You know, for any yeah, of the, they always get their, their their ongoing medical bills will be paid. Right, and John Stewart's the one that championed that, and I have that as one of our daily memes on the Instagram for Twibbly. No matter what time of the year, I will get hits on that. That meme has more yeah. hits than any other meme on the on the Twibbly page. My favorite pre-daily show, I think it's pre-daily show thing that he did was he ended up as a guest on Crossfire. You remember Crossfire yes. on CNN, which was like two talking heads. It was Tucker Carlson on one side and. Uh, Dave Dan Bagala yes. on the other side, and he basically said, "You two are hurting the United States." <laughs> and he just he did he did this whole segment where he just admonished them for being who they were and the show that they were on and having no nuance or it's just too it's like professional wrestling. He goes on oh, this forty five minute rant and then he left and like five weeks later, Crossfire was canceled. Yep, <laughs> yeah, he took them. Oh, it was astonishing. He took them to bitch school in a worst way. Yeah, he took them to bitch school on the short bus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. You know what's not amazing? The worst song ever. Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. We are going to dive into the short-lived and always terrible uh, music short-lived mu- music genre. <laughs> it's a pun. Uh, music genre of new jack swing. Look, I'm a pop music guy. I like pop music. I even like modern pop music mostly. But man, you can't see my face right now, but I'm judging you. New, I know you are. Yeah. New Jack Swing, which which was a thing from like 1986, 87 through about 1996, 97, was a very short-lived subgenre amalgamation, Frankenstein's monster of R&B, funk, terrible swing, rap, and R&B soul. And every single song included the drum fill of a sharp electronic snare going... Yeah, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> All the songs were kind of the same. There were three like really big bands that were in, involved in it. It was like an it was called like an East Coast Sound or Philly Sound, and there was right. it didn't get its start with New Edition, but New Edition was right there at the very beginning of it. Right, and they they well, the, had, they had ceased to exist, and Bobby Brown had gone off to become a solo artist. Right, and then three of the remaining people from New Edition formed the Bell Biv DeVoe. Bell Biv DeVoe. Right, right. Important one in that Bell Biv and DeVoe. Or bell curve, devoker, whatever, yep. is Michael Bivens. Yes. 
Michael Bivens, who was also learned to produce and started to cultivate talent and decided what the world needed, the New Jack Swing Act made up of preteens. Yeah, a bunch of 10-year-olds. Uh, we're talking about the very aptly named vocal group, Another Bad Creation. Before we get into the bio, uh, the the bile and the bio of uh, this band, we're just gonna play a clip. The clip that we're gonna play is from the it was the the second single off of the Coolin' at the Playground, you know, album, uh, a song called Playground. And here's our clip. I swing my beat at the playground. Exactly another song. <laughs> yes, another Bell Biv DeVoe song. In fact, it's pretty much every New Jack Swing song. Right. Another bad creation. Finding information on them is tough because their Wikipedia page looks like <laughs> looks like a fifth grade book report of somebody that yeah. didn't read the book. So anyway, uh, another bad creation. Everybody in the group was about. In between 9 and 12 years old, whenever the album was recorded. So we have Roro, Red, Mark, Chris, Dave, and Adrian, or GA. Yeah, they were just like a bunch of kids. And this album, Coolin' at the Playground, or you know, it was released in February. And it it's it went platinum. It sold a million copies, Jeff. A million. Yeah, I know, and I know somebody who had one of those copies. It was my brother. Oh, shut your f***ing mouth. Which brother? Play, he's like, uh, the tall one. All right, I gotta, let's, let's, let's do that. I got to make a phone call. Yes. <laughs> he loved loved this stuff, the the Chess King style, of, <laughs> like Chess King music. It's merry just, go round. For those of you who don't know, Chess King was a mall store that sold baggy, ugly clothes. Yeah, Merry-Go-Round was another one that fit into that genre, yeah. too. So, and like, the the thing is, is they're, oh, they're cute. I mean, that's like, that's the kind of... Like, somebody's mother buys this album. Oh, they're cute. They're cute. Yeah. You know, people that like music generally don't like this. You know? Uh, you know? Not the playground. You know? This isn't made to last. This is not made to last. Their follow-up album came out in 1993. It was called It Ain't What You Wear, It's How You Play It. Uh, so it came out uh, like two and a half years later. And by this time, they're all like 15 years old. And I watched the the video for, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea because the single and the album didn't chart. Like, nobody even knew knows that it came out. I think there was like a period of oversaturation, like 91. This is right, right dead in the middle yeah. of this, right? So 91, 92. There's also another preteen New Jack swing act called Criss Cross, which yes. was doing similar music, although more rappy than, and there's a little bit of variation in there. Right. Who assaulted you when you turned on the radio. And they're and, cute. They're cute. <laughs> they're cute. And then there was the, like the ones that was clearly a record company had built them. Yes. To sell records. And that was the, I'm going to sex you up band. Oh yeah. The, uh, yeah. Color me bad. 
color. Don't talk too much about Don't talk too much about them because we're gonna get to them in a future segment. Yes, <laughs> yeah. a future segment. Yeah, getting but, getting back to ABC, the song that I watched from the follow up album was called "I Don't Want to Be a Grown Up," and right. let me tell you, that video was like uncomfortable to watch because they're all like 15 years old now. With yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember being 15, but I still do. And, you know, hormones are raging. These guys are like, I mean, their gimmick is they're little kids. Their their songs right. are cooling at the playground. And <laughs> right. um, there's another song on the second album called My First Kiss. And these guys are like, you know, they're like lifting up their shirt and showing off their bellies and like pointing right. at the ding-dongs and stuff. Well, it's because yeah, by 15, you figure out what your ding-dong yeah, does. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. I'm never going to stop touching that thing. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, they weren't meant to last. Now, I'm looking around for information about these guys because, I mean, they broke up because what else are you going to do? One of them started to grow a mustache at 17. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could hear an audible on the album, and that was Roro's second testicle dropping. Of all of these vocal groups, the only singer in any of them that maintained his prepubescent voice register was Bob, Bobby Brown who still could sing and sound younger than another band creation on their first record, <laughs> even though he was like 75 years old. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I'm just going to say that every time that I was forced, and I'm going to emphasize that word, forced, forced by my much taller than me younger yeah. brother to listen to this album, it made me wish that I could bring into existence the lollipop sales guy from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> who steals children and puts them in a dungeon. All the guys now in ABC are in their 40s. If they're on the playground. You like, know? Yeah, it's probably a problem yeah, yeah. right there. Chilling at the shuffleboard, you know? I'm at my day job, <laughs> typing on a keyboard, making some spreadsheets. And you can see, uh, so you can find interviews with them, and they're still like, Talking, they're like Al Bundy talking about the time he won the football game. Oak high yeah. school, yeah. They're still like, yeah. like talking about what a great time that was. It's like you were twelve. You know? Yeah, it was awesome. So. Move on, Roro. <laughs> I drive a Prius. It's a late model one. I got a deal from the used car. Buy here, pay here, please. All right, so I'm willing to bet at least one of the guys in Another Bad Creation has a degree. Whether it's a PhD, I do not know. But that was the trivia question at the beginning of the show. PhD stands for Doctor of Philosophy, and that makes you a doctor whether you deliver babies or not. Or, or you deliver philosophical treatises like, why are we here? Is that my shoe? Yeah. Does perception precede reality? I still stand by my answer that education is the most uh, awarded PhD. The most awarded PhD is in... Are you ready? It's is it not education. It is not education. Worldwide, the most popular PhD is awarded to computer sciences. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yep. There being so many computers and all. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what isn't computer science in this day and age? That's true. So, all right. Uh, well, you got me on that one. Lots of doctors out there. All right. Lots, so, lots yep, and lots. That is going to wrap up our show for this week. We will see you back here in seven days. Say goodnight, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Twibbly, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Special thanks to James Coster for our theme music. You can find us and message us on Instagram and Facebook using TWWWBLY. Don't forget to tell all your friends about our podcast. Tell them it's like Shark Week, but for like 
more weeks and less sharks.